Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13, is it? Are we on episode 13? 13, 13. Damn, this one's been flying by really fast. Uh, hi, I'm Michael, as always, and beside me is my co-host and uh, partner in crime. Matthew. <laughs> that, took, that took a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess we're just getting warmed up to, uh, right back into the episode. Um, I mean, anything anything interesting happened this week for you? Uh, yeah, something pretty interesting. Uh, my my school uh, got a lucky chance to oh, go cover that. the Marley's game. That, yeah. yeah, so I'm in the sports journalism program at Centennial College, and one of the cool things is, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, like we get these cool opportunities to go cover sporting events. And uh, this past Monday, we got to do uh, a Marley's game for, uh, like, just for a game over time, just basically wearing a quick game over, which was pretty cool. So that was, that was my first time sitting in the press box and seeing the arena, like, uh, from up top. And I have to say, I've been in that arena so many times before. I've never seen it from that angle, and it was, like, a really cool experience. What's, what's the press box like? Um, well, it's not really much a press box. It's more like a long desk. And there's like a little glass uh, panel that's protecting you from your laptop like falling onto the ice, which would not be a good thing for the players to deal with. Like, oh, why is uh, this guy's MacBook flying from the ceiling? <laughs> That'd be. Uh, I wouldn't want my my MacBook falling from what like hundred feet in the air. No, exactly. <laughs> Especially uh, during a game where the Marlies were playing really bad. Like, oh yeah. Like it was cool. Like an afternoon game. In the arena is always pretty cool. Like, so what else did you get to do? Did you get to scrum the players and things like that. Unfortunately, no. That's uh. We're working towards that. It was just just getting practice. Honestly, um, just being there was a really cool experience. I I've always wanted to be at Scotiabank Arena to cover a sporting event, so getting a chance to do that was probably one of the coolest things. Of course, of course. Uh, anything else happened this week? Um, well, besides that, uh, I had an emotional breakdown over Blake Coleman getting traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> you saw we'll it get, on Twitter. We'll, we'll get back into that uh, soon. I mean, yeah. I mean, we all know that. Like. <laughs> I, I was just tweeting out like someone check on Michael please like when that whole thing was going down, man. <laughs> I mean, like where were you when that happened? Because I remember like, I mean we're we we both write for Editor and Leaf, so we were in the uh, Editor and Leaf group chat, and it was just blowing up with all the rumors, so many rumors flying around. When uh, I mean we'll just talk about Blake Holman right now, but he was uh, apparently supposed to be going to the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, and I was like. Man, Michael, like <laughs> there, there he goes. Like, like after all, this long of wanting him, and, he, and he's just gone, yep. just like that. Yep. And then we hear, oh no, 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 he's not being traded to the Colorado Avalanche. It's trade. The trade was not happening. It's like, oh, no, I'm having an extremely normal day here today, guys. This is fine. Like, really enjoying this uh, hockey trade stuff. Wayne can't wait to see what happens now. I mean, we all love uh, trade deadline time for this kind of like mayhem, but. Mm-hmm. uh when, when it actually happens, it's kind of stressful because I know you wanted Blake Coleman to be in a Leafs uniform, and even I did too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hey, I mean, at least we'll see him in a blue and white uniform. Yeah, just all I have to do is uh, take a photo of it, uh, Photoshop uh, the logo of the Leafs on top of the Lightning logo and say, this is what it should could have should have been. Like, <laughs> like, come on. To be fair, they, Tampa Bay pretty much has the same jersey as Toronto. It's very, very similar, even with the the, the little stripe on the bottom. Um yeah. Is, they, they, is it the same? Is it the exact same shade of blue? It's 
not exactly the same shade of blue, but if you looked at it from afar, it's like, okay, these are literally the same jersey. It's I like, think the stripes are the same, like literally the stripes are in the exact same positions on the sleeves and on the on the bottom of the uh, jersey. I'm just going to look this one up. I, I want to see it. and bring up Very maybe, similar. Maybe bring up the Leafs jersey as well. Okay, there's only... Was there two bars on the Leafs jersey? Because I'm only seeing one. On the bottom or the, the, on the, bottom. the sleeves? There's on the bottom. one. There's one thick one on the uh, bottom, and there's two on each sleeve. Like, that's what it looks like uh, on the, the Lightning jersey. Like, okay, so, I mean, we're just looking at it here. If, so, you, if you guys want to do this yourself, just to open up your computer or laptop and just search Lightning so jersey. It's pretty much the same, except the Leafs um, sleeves have two stripes. And uh, the lightning only have one stripe on the sides, on the sleeves. But they each have the one thick stripe on the uh, on the bottom of their jersey. Like literally, this is the real life equivalent of that meme. It's like, hey, just copy my. You can copy my homework, but don't do word for word. It's like, <laughs> okay, and that's that's what happened. But yeah, I mean, where were you when? Uh, I guess the Blake Coleman news. I I guess the whole roller coaster because, I mean, it took hours for the whole trade to be completed. The whole process of when we first started hearing that he was. You know, mm-hmm. being or when he was being held out of the game, pretty much, or what was it? He was he wasn't at the arena. Was mm-hmm. that what it was? Yeah, like they they held him out for precautionary reasons, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we hear that he was going to the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and then that's uh, confirmed false. And then uh, so many rumors just start popping up: Edmonton, Boston. There's some. I mean, we were holding out for Toronto, but uh, there were there were some. Sketchy account saying, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Sketchy account saying that, uh, um, you know, Toronto was one of the, one of the suitors, kind of inquiring about him, but uh, it took a while, and we were just waiting for, I guess, a official, yeah. trade announcement. It was literally probably the worst way to come back home from being out the whole day. Just like literally, <laughs> it's like, okay, let's see what's going on on Twitter. Very first thing I see, Blake Coleman to Colorado. What? <laughs> I was out all day. I was out all day. And I was in the car when the first, I guess, rumors came in. And then I'm going to go see uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Actually, I want to talk about that movie because I know you watched it too. Oh, yeah, that was a great movie. Uh, it was a great movie. Uh, but I was I was sitting there and uh, right before the movie, literally right before the movie starts with the trailers going on, um, I, I see uh, I see the group chat going crazy. And that's how I know. Like, I was like, it's so hard to watch a movie when your phone's vibrating like every second. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and, uh, I see, uh, <laughs> Blake Coleman to, uh, well, first it was weird because, um, the first, the first tweet I saw was, I think it was Dreger's tweet. I think it said for Vancouver's first and whatever. And I was like Vancouver, but then it was, it was Tampa Bay's, yeah. uh, they, they had Vancouver's first, but that, that's what tricked me at first. But yeah. It was to Vancouver. I mean, to Tampa. Imagine and, Vancouver uh, got to, to Foley and Coleman at the same man. time. Holy <laughs> crap. That would have been crazy. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy, but that's where I was. Yeah, well, like, once I got home and I saw that, I was like, like oh, damn it. They, they missed out on him. And, like, those those few little hours of just, like, okay, I'm accepting the fact that this is probably not going to happen. If it's if he's not coming to Toronto, at least he went to a Western Conference team. And I was like, oh, not it's not Boston, happening. Right? Yeah. So the fact that he didn't go to Boston was good, but the fact that he went to Tampa, I think, m- makes it a little harder to swallow. Because mm-hmm. like, he went to a division rival and probably the worst division rival you could possibly think of other than Boston. It always happens. I I know that that's true. Uh, you know, I think everyone was like, no Boston, anywhere but Boston, and 
the hockey odds are basically like anywhere but Boston. Okay, then Tampa Bay, which is probably worse. <laughs> like literally, now he's gonna score thirty goals, and everyone's gonna be like, "This guy is like unbelievable." Gonna sign him for like twelve million dollars, and then he on, he's only gonna score fifteen goals for the rest of his career, like a, a year, of course, because because that's just what hockey the hockey gods do. Like remember David Clarkson when uh, he scored thirty he scored goals? thirty goals, and then he gets uh, what was like a five point five million dollar contract, like something like that for seven years, and like everyone's like, "Oh, this is the the you second just, coming." You just have of to David be really good Clark. for one season. That's how free agent. You just have to be really good in the season right before your contract ends, or just like just around the time where your contract mm-hmm. ends, and then teams are gonna like, "Oh my god, if I sign this guy, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna do it again with me." Clearly, so I'm gonna give him like twelve million dollars. Man, don't even get me started on David Larson. <laughs> On a bright note, though, I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog was actually really good. It yes. was surprisingly really good. I will say this. I did not have any expectations going in the movie. It was like, that day, it was like, okay, my brother's like, hey, hey, let's go watch this movie. I was like, do I really have to? And then I remember, oh, it's Sonic. Like, eh, it's not too bad. But then when I actually went to the theater, and, like, I came out of it, it was like, for one, the plot is too predictable. Like, like you could see it coming from It's not bad, away. though. It's not a bad plot. Thing. Yeah. It's, it's done well. Like, it's a... Like you, it's it's obviously a kids movie, but it's more like a family movie. Like, uh, adults can see it. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's not like childish or anything. Um, it's 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 pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean the plot is predictable, but I mean, uh, I don't want to spoil anything. But you no, know, some some things caught me off guard in the sense that I was like, they're putting like, it. You'd think the plot is so predictable that when they do a slight, like a a slight change, you're like, really? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I think that ending is what really caught me off guard. Like, uh, I was like, whoa, okay. And then I, I remember the whole theater was going crazy when uh, the ending showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for you guys if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's actually good. I, I grew up playing, like, the Sonic video game, so, of course, I'm going to check out uh, check out the movie. And, like, I mean, I know Pokemon did a similar thing with the whole, like, live action, half live action, half animation yeah, yeah. kind of thing, bringing video games to life. And uh, I thought they did it pretty good, but their plot was like the what was it, Detective Pikachu? Yeah, that was it. That that plot wasn't it was it was even more predictable and it was a little too cheesy. Um, but Sonic was done well, and I think it kept the charm of uh, like like I felt like the personality of Sonic was very similar to what he was in the video games. Mm-hmm. Like for what it is, it's as a video game movie, it's, it's enjoyable. Good. Yeah, like and that's hard to say for a lot of video game. Sonic movies, like. Sonic was funny, and Jim Carrey killed it as uh dr eggman literally jim carrey's at his best when he's playing uh, when he's over the top he, and, he and made the movie yeah exactly like oh dr robotnik you remember in the video games he's like crazy mm-hmm. over the top character and that's just exactly the kind of character jim carrey thrives in like i i loved i loved it but the ending like when they shaved was like ooh, okay why didn't we see this before why, why do you have to have a hair well i mean i guess because uh well in the video games i think they're trying to progress him into the son into sonic 2 which uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, it, it, we're we're getting a sequel for this movie. Oh, I'm for of sure, course, we are. for sure. Not just because um, like this. Movie I don't think that spoils funny. anything, but yeah, we're getting a sequel for this movie. Yeah, uh, they kind of hinted to it to it at the very end, and uh, I'll actually check it out. I, I'll I check it out. if they if they come out in theaters next year, it's like Sonic Two. Uh. <laughs> and props to the movie like uh, studio because I re- did you see the original design for it for Sonic? Yeah, and I'd rather I didn't see it. Everyone hated it. I hated it. He looked terrible. He looked like a rat wearing, like, you know those kids' pajamas, like the onesie (laughs) pajamas? Like, his legs were, like, weirdly shaped and, like, I don't even know. 
He he looked like a human rat. Ugh. Not even like a hedgehog or not even like the video game at all. And then the redesign is like crazy nice. Like the redesign is actually really nice and it, it, it works really well. I think just the fact that his eyes were so small and his he had human teeth, it's just like, no, this is not Sonic. Like yeah, this does not, not make what, any sense. The new one was really good. Like the the redesign. Yeah. So was it, perfectly executed. It's, it looks more or less like the car like the actual game. Like, yeah. Which is which is all you can really ask for. But I don't know why he has to have lightning. Like what why does he have to like like, oh, I'm so, I'm so depressed. I'm so sad. I have no friends. I'm going to run around the bases a hundred times. And it's like, oh, there, there goes the power. Okay, but like, uh, this, this is, opens up a question for uh, the second movie. I mean, because uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but like Tails is going to be in the second movie. And apparently he's looking for Sonic. Um, but did, in, the, in the opening scene, we see that Sonic like had to leave like when he was like a kid. Yeah. I mean, like, did he know Tails? Like he was like. He was like a, a couple years old. Did he, did he really know Tails? I thought I thought he didn't really have any friends. I'm sure he did know Tails. So it's like, wait. So if you knew Tails, but they but, but then you weren't you weren't but they weren't friends. Yeah, but like but then you like were gone. Like okay, you liar. You had friends. <laughs> you had friends. Shut up. I I I don't want to diss on a, a character from a movie, but like come on. Sometimes I feel like the cinema sense where I'm like critiquing everything. It was like, what the hell is this? This does not make any sense. This is just like cliche. You know cliche. when you watch like movies, like movies you used to watch as a kid, and now you question like so many things. Like, I mean, I think everyone knows the Mighty Ducks. Like, yeah. I wa- I rewatched the whole trilogy like over the Christmas break, and like, there's just so many questions. There's so many dumb things that happened. Like, for one, Charlie doesn't have it to make the nhl i don't know why he's not captain material i have to say that he's a good guy but man he was the laziest one out of the whole team like certified scrub <laughs> like i love charlie uh but uh in the third one especially when he was whining about uh i mean you you obviously watched yeah, the movies, yeah. right in the third one when he's whining about like um you know how uh oh it's not fun anymore like no dude like if you're t- gonna take you're at, you're at you're at like a school to play hockey on a scholarship this is when you have to take it seriously. Like you have to put in the work and play seriously. Man, playing professional hockey is so boring. Why am I even doing here? Like I just want to learn how to read. He just wants to have fun. <laughs> this isn't Pee Wee anymore. Come on, this is the big leagues. You and got... then the flying V. And can we all agree that it's offside? Yes. It's supposed to be offside. Well, it depends on where the puck is. If the puck is on like one of the guys in the back, of course it's offside. Of course. But like, if I the... can't remember if they do that in the movie. I think they do. Where it's like. The dude in the back has the puck, and they're entering the offensive zone. Well, listen, this is before uh, the implementation implementation uh, video reviews, so and I, also, I think like, they missed that one. All the interference calls in in the Mighty Ducks movies, like they just they just start taking out guys. Like when you don't even have the puck, they like the, the opponents would just just hit every single duck. Like, come on, like clear charging penalty that was being missed. Like, I th- I think it's clear that the ref bias is, was pretty strong in that movie. <laughs> like, come on. Like give give them give them a chance. Like they're this is their do first you, game. Do you remember do you, some, some of the gimmicks that the, the Mighty Ducks would win using? Like, oh, diving! Like didn't uh, Gordon Bombay say if you, if a guy like hits you with a stick, oh, okay, like hit your arms, like pretend you're hurt? <laughs> that that was one of his first things. But I think in the second movie, one of the ways they scored was like they dressed up a forward as a goalie for like, I, which I don't even know how they did that in like the, in like a minute. They like apparently did some quick change thing. And put it forward in the in the like in the goaltender's equipment, 
and then he skated down the ice and scored and tricked everyone. Because apparently that's illegal. And well, he, if there's no if there's no uh, rules against that, maybe the Leafs should try it. Yeah, you know what? It's it's just like the Patrick. Remember that Patrick Rock clip from like the '90s where he's like skating to center ice and the center ice. Yeah. Well, I mean, they called him like like there's clearly bias towards French goalies. <laughs> so if, if you're not a French goalie, you're all good. You can just pull that off anytime you want. The referee won't care. I mean, hey, if some of those gimmicks, if there's technically not an NHL rule against them, why doesn't why doesn't why don't teams try that? Because it clearly worked in the movies. <laughs> Listen, you could just say, hey, it's, it doesn't say in, the, in anywhere in the rule book that I can't do this. That I can't dress up as a goaltender when I'm a forward and skate up the ice and. and Fake out the whole team. Like when uh, I wonder what, how referee would react. Like, wait, why is there two goal? Like, why is there three goalies <laughs> on the ice? This doesn't make any sense. Like, I think maybe if Michael Hutchinson could be useful if uh, we just dressed him up in goalie pads yeah. and skate him as a forward and go offside. Just just place him right next to the net and where nobody could see and see him, and then he just just set him up for a quick pass. No, I was like blend him, make make him wear camel gear and uh, like blend him on like on long boards. <laughs> and then only once it's time for him to do his thing, he just pops up out of nowhere. Like the the goalie gets pulled. It's like, oh, here's our extra guy. Boom, it's tie game. Man, that'd be funny. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, I want to say a hot take about the Mighty Ducks. Gordon Bombay is an asshole. Oh, you know they're bringing back the the yeah they're bringing it back though. I don't know if it's a movie or a TV series or what. I wonder if... for Netflix, right? For Disney Plus. Oh, right, Disney right, right, Plus. right. They're, they're going to milk it. Okay. I'm going to say, like... I'm I'll gonna watch say it. it. I'm going to watch it, though. But we'll see. How What's, what was out. that show from the 90s that uh, they brought on Netflix as a, like, a... Full House? Yeah, Full House. Full House. Fuller, Fuller House. It might be one of those. I don't like Fuller House. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, yeah, it I might know. be one of those Fuller House kind of things. But, uh, I don't know. I mean... I mean, I think a lot of that uh, goofy stuff in hockey flew in the 90s, but maybe not now. Yeah, everyone now is like, oh, you got to play uh, skilled skilled hockey in like two hundred foot game. Yeah, what was the Corsi of the of the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> I'm gonna say it's a solid sixty nine percent. Nice. Um, <laughs> he was he was a he was a pretty bad dude. Yeah, like he just did. You see, remember that scene in the movie? Where he was like, I hate kids and I hate coaching. Like, I mean, he changed. That's the whole point. He starts as like this, you know, this lawyer who hates hockey, who hates fun. And then he turns into like the lovable guy who loves hockey again. So it's like Mike Babcock carrying into Sheldon Keefe. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but uh, look, I mean, he, the Mighty Ducks were soft. They were soft, and then when they when they actually got to when they had to play college hockey or whatever, I don't know if they were in high school or in ho- college, but whenever they, they had to play in the third one, they didn't have the heart. <laughs> they just they, they got to keep grinding and stick to, with it. They didn't have the grit to. Uh, to play against the big guys, you know, the well, varsity they, team. Here's the problem: they weren't steady on the rubber. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't bet on themselves. Of course. Well, that's what this that's week. That's what you make a, a soft team. Coach like a coach like Gordon Bombay makes a soft team. Uh, you make a soft team not tough to play against. <laughs> it's like what the hell? These guys are like five foot seven. They're just flying by. So many up. questions. Just so many questions. Looking back on those movies. Listen, if Nathan Gravy was on that team, I swear to I swear they'd win those games much more easily. <laughs> I think they'd have a chance. Maybe. Hey, you never know. That's the '90s, because like the '90s, like we don't care about size. <laughs> um, let's go. I guess we'll get we'll, we'll get back into hockey, like in the real hockey now, not Disney hockey. Ah oh, man, I, th- I was having <laughs> this was fun. I'm kidding. Um, no, this actually was fun. It was fun. Um, but uh, I mean, the trade deadline's been crazy, like this week, and we're not even at Monday's deadline yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we 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 talked about Blake Coleman. 
He's obviously off the draft board now. Who else would you want the Leafs to kind of target now? I feel like on Leafs Twitter, all you're seeing is Josh, Josh Manson. Manson. It's like literally Josh Manson or uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, they already made a trade today. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I mean, it's not a huge trade. Don't get your hopes up if you haven't seen it. But, I mean, it's, start, it's something. It, they, they, they got Malkin. I can't believe it. They finally they finally traded for Malkin. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I think I feel like it's pretty clear that defenseman is is a need, mm-hmm. like a right-handed defenseman for your top four. Um, no matter where you where you get it from, you got to find it somewhere. And uh, I, honestly, at this point, just hope and pray that Morgan Riley comes back healthy because there's we, the Leafs have been rattled by injuries all year. They've, they already lost Mikheyev for, like, months. They're they're going to be out with Janssen for the rest of the year, like, who's, who's now out for six months, in case you guys didn't know. And they, all the defense have been getting hurt, and now they're relying on Martin Marincin to solve this problem. Like, literally, the, they, need a, they need another right-handed defenseman because that's basically their biggest need at this point. And uh, either that or some secondary scoring. Which is, uh, I mean, we already we already saw like in the media, like Twitter yesterday, is like how Keith was calling out the, the <clears> bottom <throat> six forwards, and I was like, wow, I can't believe we haven't seen that yet. Like, secondary scoring is secondary to a defenseman right now, and like I don't know, as as names keep getting taken off the board right now, like pretty much the the need for Josh Manson is getting bigger and bigger because, like. Again, if you want to spend assets on a Blake Coleman, well, he's gone now. And you want to make a move to improve the team because the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a kind of bad bad position right now. Like, they're still in the playoff spot, but they're just hanging on, just mm-hmm. hanging on. And uh, it's not looking good. They're slumping. Um, they fixed the goaltending problem, which we'll get to, but it, you fix one problem and another one kind of kind of bites you, you know? Yeah. It kind of emerges. Um, looking at, like, the trade, like, kind of the trade bait board right now, especially TSN's one. I mean, uh, other than Josh Manson, um, Vattenen is uh, one of the biggest uh, pieces that are rumored to be on the move. As we know, New Jersey is just selling off their pieces uh, right now, going full rebuild mode, which I, I thought they should a while ago. Yeah. Um, I see Vattenen being thrown out, out there, and I see Subban being thrown out there. Do any of these names... Uh, interest you if uh manson is not the one that the leafs could go for okay i'll say this suban is probably the one name that really gives me the most uh pause only because like okay one it's the name pk suban like if you were to get this guy in 2017 that would have been a huge deal it would have but i mean right now he's having more or less the worst season of his career other than maybe his rookie year um but he's, he's making, arguably playing on the worst team as well one of the worst teams yeah that, that that's also a factor back. as well um, like there's a lot of factors to consider here, but I mean, if the devil said to the Leafs, Hey, we'll give you PK Subban for half his salary. And you just give us like prospect and a, and a draft pick and maybe a roster player. I don't know what the roster player is, but like, st- stick with me here. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? He's only like, I mean, I say only, um, he's only 30, but I mean, 30 is still pretty old, but what's his contract like? Like, how many years does he have left on his contract? He's got a few more he's years. He's got left. a couple of years, two years. Like, I could. A, a PK Subban until he's 32 is 
is still a top four defenseman. Yeah, for sure. Um, it would have to be uh, his salary would have to be retained, hundred percent. But a lot of people, I guess, he has been on the decline. But like, he's not like a you know like a bottom four. I mean, a bottom four pairing defenseman. He's yeah. a top four pairing defenseman. Still, people are just really scared of him because he's declined from a superstar to a, just a regular top four defenseman. But a top four defenseman is what the Leafs need. Yeah, and like he, I he crossed a lot of boxes. But also keep in mind, he's from here. I think the fact that he'd be playing for his hometown team would really motivate him. It's like, hey, I have a chance now to be in a playoff race again. I don't think he was a Leafs fan though. You I never know. Think he was. I think he. Well, I think he said. His dad was a Habs fan. Ugh. Yeah. Even though they lived here in Toronto. I changed my mind. No Subban. We're just going to say, just, Ka- just move about, on. What about Kadri? He was a Habs fan growing up as well. That's true. Well, you can, we, can, mm-hmm. we can convince we can him to change. We can allow a few of them. As long as they're willing to switch over to the mm-hmm. right side. Mm-hmm. If they go back to the dark side, it's like, I mean, get, get out of here. Look at Max Domi, right? <laughs> well, Max Domi is uh, probably going to be leaving soon. Yeah, Aren't actually, they saying all these things? like? Oh. Yeah, we'll get into that after, like the other teams. But yeah, I mean, there are rumors about him, but I highly doubt. He's on the move. He's he's honestly been like Montreal's bright spot for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that was a really good trade by them as yeah. well. Especially considering Galchenyuk has Galchenyuk become being, uh, like a nobody at this yeah. point. Like, remember yeah, Galchenyuk going being drafted third overall? Like, holy crap! This guy at the time was like, "Wow, this guy's be amazing." I wanted him back in uh, what was it, twenty twelve? Yeah, yeah. I mean, seeing him and Nelly Akpov on the Sarnia Sting, they were insane together. And then I wanted him because uh, the Leafs needed a center, obviously, because we, because the Leafs didn't get Tyler Sagan. Um, and I was hoping because the Leafs had the fifth overall pick then, I was hoping that he'd fall to fifth, but Montreal took him. But hey, we got Morgan Riley, so who wins in the end? Uh, Brian Burke for making the prediction. <laughs> of course, so I would have taken Morgan Riley first overall. I remember at the hot times like, are you sure about that? Arguably, Morgan Riley is one of the best players in that draft that was a weak weak draft yeah well i mean you also have to remember that later in that draft was uh, andre vasilevsky mm-hmm. and uh, a few other really good players i mean other than like gems that first round was not a good round yeah there were some really rough picks i mm-hmm. think 2012 will be considered like 1999 kind oh, yeah. of bad well 1999 was much worse than 2012 i mean you got the sedine twins in that yeah that like, was probably the only bright spot that year exactly like i don't remember again brian burke yeah, that was a huge trade. And they just got their numbers recently retired. Like, mm-hmm. It speaks to how bad that draft was. Yeah. Well, not because of them. Or how good they were. Course, exactly, but... yeah. Look at this on uh, TSN Trade Bay. Number 21. Tr- Detroit's cap space. Is that supposed to be a joke that they that they decided to put in there? I don't know if this is like serious or like they're just trying to mess around. It's like, what? I mean, TSN's pretty, TSN's pretty funny, I guess, right? Well, I guess they got invaded by uh, Jesse. They were like... <laughs> he's got to put, put a little joke in there somewhere of course oh man we gotta have jesse back on here absolutely 100 uh we, we were talking to them the bar down guys uh possibly maybe they they, they they might come on again possible uh collab in the future maybe um i mean yeah so what you said i guess suban does kind of interest you in that way yeah what about vatanen vatanen the only thing for me is that you're basically getting uh a slightly different type of player from uh, Tyson Berry. Mm-hmm. And we already established that Tyson Berry is uh, as good as he's been offensively. I mean, we, I know his defense isn't as, isn't as there, you know, mm-hmm. but I think when we got him like in Colorado, like 
everyone knew he was this offensive stud, really. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really a defense stud. And I'd say the same about Morgan Riley as well. They're a lot more offense than they are defense. Yeah. And he- uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, people are saying, you know, he's bad um, or he hasn't been playing great. But I think he's kind of come as advertised if you really look into it. Yeah, and that's basically what an offensive defenseman is. Like, of course. They're strong offensively, not as strong defensively. Don't expect him to be saving you on the defensive end, you know? Yeah, but here's the thing. There's too many guys like him mm-hmm. in the in the lineup, and this is his contract year. Like, obviously, he's going to make a lot of money regardless because the appeal of what he did in Colorado is it's what's going to make people like, hey, we should get this guy because in Colorado, he got like almost 60 points one time. Like, we should totally get this guy. Of course. But then you see what he's been doing with the Leafs this year. Like, yeah, he's doing well. On most teams, you're like, hey, this is par for the course. Like, this is good to see a guy getting 45 on pace for 45 points. But I feel like the lack of defense is one thing. But I also think that the fact that there was rumblings of him potentially trying to get out of Toronto before Mike Babcock got fired, and that the only reason he's sticking around is because Keefe is now in charge. Like, it kind of rubs off the wrong way with some fans, and I can understand why. It's like, here's this guy, like, complaining. He's like, oh, I'm not getting the opportunities I want. Like, why isn't the coach giving me opportunities? Like, I, I want to play on the first power play. And you also have to keep in mind that also affects Morgan Riley's season as well, mm-hmm. how he was not getting as many, uh, like, I mean, obviously he wasn't having as good of a season, but then you see how he's being relegated to the second power play, and the first power play isn't doing as well as we thought, even though they're third in the league, which is crazy. Like, there it's it's a weird position to say that I like Tyson Berry's offense, but it might be worth considering moving him out. And if you're going to move him out, you either get back a right-handed defenseman, who's uh more like two more of a two-way force, regardless of whether their analytical stats are like amazing or like average, or you just uh, find somebody else that. Uh, that actually has untapped, like maybe untapped potential, or like they have more to give than what they've been showing. That's why I think Subban makes a lot of sense. I wonder mm-hmm. what you think on this. I mean, I don't know if I would move out. Uh, I mean, Subban does make sense to me actually, but I don't. I wouldn't try to move out Tyson Berry because right now as well, the Leafs have a little cap leeway. Um, and again, we are like the Leafs are pushing for a playoff spot, so you want to load up as much as you can. Um, if they can keep Tyson Berry, he does bring that offensive edge. Um, um, to your top four, I think if the Leafs can try, I know obviously it's not it's not always it doesn't always work out with that, but try to keep Tyson Berry and try to acquire an additional piece in that way. I think PK Subban would be great, and it seems like New Jersey's just trying to sell off pieces, so maybe they they'd sell him for low. PK Subban obviously is not as an attractive piece right now as, um, you know Blake Coleman or. Vatanen, who are cheaper. Or even Kyle Palmieri, who uh, was being rumored to go to Boston, as far as I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, like, for either of those two defensemen or Josh Manson, I would like them to be added onto the roster, not at the expense of Tyson Berry. And I want to see how, then, when you have a stronger defensive core, how it works, you know? Rather than, I feel like the Leafs are just getting a good defenseman and then swapping him out for another good defenseman. We also have to keep in mind, too, uh, there's no guarantees that Barry's even going to want to stay past this season. Yeah. because and that's why I was thinking, if, if the Leafs did go down the Subban path, if anything, you still have Subban for... You could let Barry walk, and you still have Subban um, for a couple more years, mm-hmm. and you just exercise the whatever their little cap loophole that they're using is 
uh, I don't know how much money they. I, I think it went up. I, I thought it was six million that they had in. Uh, I guess because all all TIR stuff they have like six million. I think it's a little yeah. more than that actually. Yeah, well, because they also have uh, Nathan Horton's oh, and yes, David Clark's yes, yes, contracts. Yes. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you could pick up a piece, then I think it makes it easier to let um, Tyson Berry mm-hmm. walk. It just gives you more options, you know, and it gives you more um, strength for a playoff run. Because let's face it, the Leafs mm-hmm. have, the Leafs don't just have to make the playoffs this year. They they're supposed to actually go for it this year. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, a lot for a lot of fans, especially team as well. Um, this year was supposed to be like let's this, let's see progress, and it should and, still and we be haven't like seen that. that. It should still be going for the cup. It shouldn't just be now. I mean, if I, it feels like just trying to make the playoffs, making trades to try to make the playoffs, but no, yeah. like you're not one of those teams. You have to. You're paying like forty million dollars to four players you have to try to um you know you have to try to actually go for the cup so okay. that's why i feel like making a big trade like pk suban and keeping tyson berry yeah and really strengthening your team is what you need to get to the cup and not just to and i feel like switch switching out tyson berry for another good defenseman doesn't mm-hmm. actually strengthen your overall defensive core that much right it's yeah. just it's just strengthening that one hole that one like that one defenseman um you still have five other defensemen yeah and uh yeah the Leafs just need to they need to make a significant jump right now if they want to go for the cup exactly and i think that getting that uh, extra defenseman uh, will be very helpful it also really eases the pressure on the rookies because let's face it as nice it has been to see rasmus sandin and uh, timothy lagergren good opportunities this season i don't think they're fully ready yet to like fully take on that to roll because they're just so young and they're still learning along the way. And in a season like this where there's so much expectation on uh, trying to progress from where they were the last few years, I don't think that's the kind of position the Leafs can afford to be in. So they need to really uh, weigh that options because otherwise you run the risk of playing Martin Marincin way more than you should. Mm-hmm. And uh, no disrespect to Martin Marincin who played yesterday because it was his birthday. But like, I feel like you can do so much better. There needs to be more depth on the blue line. Exactly. 100%. It's not, and again, that's what I mean. It's not just swapping out Tyson Berry for a better defenseman. It's about strengthening your entire blue line because Tyson Berry can still stay back there and hold it down pretty well, but you still need to fix the fact that you're playing Martin Marincin yeah. in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to talk about uh, the trade that the Leafs made today because actually two bits of information just... I guess broke right now. Not really broke, but like confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, first is Frederick Anderson will start again for the Leafs on Thursday. Yes, I was just about to bring that up. And uh, and then the Leafs' other trade for uh, what's his name? I only know his last Dennis name. Mulligan Dennis Mulligan for Mason Marchment. Yep, Dennis Mulligan. He's gonna debut for the Leafs tomorrow. That should be fun. And uh, well, yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, by the way. So. They'll be playing Pittsburgh again on Thursday, which is tomorrow. So, making predictions already, uh, how many uh, points is Evgeny Malkin and Crosby going to score? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, it looks like five is the lucky number that uh, Anderson lets in right now. Well, it's either gonna he's gonna let in five stinkers, or he's gonna post a like a fifty save uh, performance with and only allowing one goal. Well, let's start with Anderson. I mean, wh- he's wh- the what do you think about this right now? Because he has been slumping, and I was gonna come in here, and I still feel it. They should, they should be playing Campbell tomorrow. 
They should. And I, I felt like they should have played him yesterday and let him roll with... Uh, he, he has been the Hawk goaltender, obviously, and we've seen, like, flashes of... We've seen flashes of a slump from Frederick Anderson. And if anything, last night's game um, confirms the slump. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's taking me by surprise that they're playing Frederick Anderson again. I guess it's to increase his confidence, but at this point, you don't want to throw those games away. Yeah, but I also wonder, too, if he's still not 100% healthy. Because mm-hmm. remember all that that neck injury that he had uh, not too long ago and like the other injuries from before? There's like a confirmation of things that are really affecting his game right now. Well, and, I mean, well, at least as far as far as that maybe behind the scenes that we don't know. That's what mm-hmm. I'm. That's what I'm wondering. But either way, then that's all the more reason to play Campbell. Yeah, but though at the same time, you know that Anderson's like a, a competent goalie. You, yeah. We've seen it before. He is. He is. 100%. And like you can't just like you can't just like move on from him the second things go astray, and just because like oh well. Uh, we, we've trusted Anderson for, like, uh, the last three years, but this first sign of trouble, yeah, see you later. Like, 100%. Like, we can't, the least can't be like that because that yeah. would just be disrespecting him, who's, like, this this guy has basically been Stealing his the job. MVP for the last three years, and, like, one bad slump was, like, you're just, like, like this toy's out of, out of use. Let's move on to the next one. They can't be like that. You got to look at the situation. The Leafs are in a very tough spot right now where every game actually matters to them. Like a lot. Oh, of course. So, I mean, you have Campbell who is who's been playing very hot lately, and then you have Anderson who hasn't been. And obviously, you want to give Anderson the starts, but I mean, he's got to start performing, and and you can't just wait for him to start performing. Mm-hmm. And I do want to bring it back to. I remember you mentioned you wanted to see like a one A one B scenario. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously Campbell's. I mean, we know Anderson's way better than Campbell. Oh, of course. Right now, it's looking like, why can't we have that 1A, 1B, at least in this stretch right now? Because Campbell's been playing like he could be a starter. Right? Well, not a starter, but he could start for the Leafs right now while Anderson, you know, is slumping. Yeah. So what's the what's the fear of playing um, Campbell right now? I don't see That's what's... a little good 1A, 1B action right there. What I think the Leafs should be doing is similar to what the Boston Bruins have been doing all year. If you don't really know, um, basically, they have two starter-like goalies in Tukarask and Yaroslav Halak, and they basically play every other game. And I think that that's a perfect strategy. You get both goalies their, their, their uh, games that they need to play, and, like, the teams, like, they, they know, like, uh, one game they have, they have to play well both games because these are two goalies that, that if you don't perform well in front of them, they're, like, they're going to, you're going to lose. Like, and these are goalies that can't win you games. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, you can get away with it, so, with the Leafs, they have two goalies that are competent starters. Like, they can win you games. Both of them. We've seen it before. At least Campbell with the Leafs for a little bit. And Anderson, since he's arrived, and for the longest time. Why not? That'd be a great way to challenge Anderson. Because, like, you're, losing, you're now giving uh, this other guy more starts. Uh, you'll only play more starts if one of them goes down or if you're going on a hot streak kind of thing. You know? Mm-hmm. It's something worth considering because... Uh, it's not just like, oh, back-to-back nights would be the only time we play the backup goalie. Why not? Because then you give, uh, like, let's say in the playoffs, at least make it this year. Anderson starts to struggle. How are you going to get out of it? Well, before it'd be like, oh, well, he's just got to figure it out himself. No, they just go to the next guy. The next guy is Campbell. And he would just take over. No problem. I think that that's a foolproof strategy because you give both goalies confidence and you're like, no matter what happens, we'll be fine. Of course, of course. And, um... I mean, 
I like that. I like that scenario, but I feel like we're not at the point where we see Campbell as a starter, capable starter, you know, goalie yet. Um, right now, he's just a backup who's hot. And uh, I, I feel like that's why, you know, you don't want to keep him. He's not He's not at that level of a starter yet or, mm-hmm. or, or even at that cusp yet. But maybe he's playing like one in this short stretch. Um, but that would be interesting because if he does reach that level, then that's definitely that's good for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they can uh, definitely play off of if 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 it happens if if Campbell reaches that level, but right now I I hundred percent think Campbell should be starting on Thursday, um, and I don't know like when if if it's the injuries that's kind of looming with uh, Anderson or if Anderson's just uh, slumping right now, I, I understand you want to get his confidence back as soon as possible, and you you you're supposed to be able to trust in him, but right now games can't be thrown away, and I would just put Campbell in just because. Um, I mean, still, it's it's still a gamble. He's still a backup, but mm-hmm. he's just been showing. I mean, he's been he's been good in the stretch. Like, just play him, reward him for playing good. Yeah, uh, I agree with that to an extent. But at the same time, you gotta like I, like I said, you gotta give Anderson trust mm-hmm. that uh, you you still believe in his abilities to bounce back. Remember how early in the season there was that game against the Flyers where the Leafs were uh, getting steamrolled, like unexpectedly steamrolled at the end when the game was pretty much over. Like, after the game, Anderson's like, I want to play the next night. Like, on the second half of back-to-back, Anderson, who was tired, played both games. And the second game, yeah, the Leafs still lost, but he played really well. Like, that's the, he's the kind of guy who can really thrive when uh, like he puts him up in a cooker situation and he wants to right his wrongs kind of thing. So, as I love Campbell. Love the way he's been playing. I want him to get more starts. I eventually want the Leafs to implement uh, a 1A, 1B situation with the goalies. But right now, the focus should be squarely on getting Camp Anderson back on track. And then once you get him back on track, then you can uh, figure out, okay, how are we going to work it out with these two really good goalies that we ha- now have? Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. And then I do want to, I mean, with that, I want to move into, I guess, the trade that the Leafs made today. Yes. Um, Dennis Mulligan was his name. And uh, he will be starting, like he will be playing tomorrow in his first game with the Leafs. And uh, what do you think of the trade? Um, well, first of all, some people were confused by the trade because of the fact that, hey, why are we trading a big guy for a small guy? Well, first of all, Mulligan has had much more NHL experience than uh, Mason Marchman has. Yes, Mason Marchman's experience has been very minimal, but Mulligan is uh, much more skilled, much more gifted offensively. And you'll fit in the team right away. Didn't you see on Twitter that they're saying, uh, oh, this guy wanted to be traded out? Yeah, I saw that. I don't know what to think of that because, um, I mean, usually when a player comes out and says that it's because they're not getting enough playing time or obviously there's just too much, uh, I guess, a logjam in their position and they don't feel like they get as much of an opportunity on that team. So they want to go to a team where they get more opportunity. And unfortunately, I don't think Toronto is that team for him. Um mm-hmm. But he, I was watching some highlights, and uh, he's very good with the puck. And, and then, I mean, I would say he's better than Marchman. And uh, he's younger too, right? Yeah. He's, he's younger. He's a couple of years younger. Mulligan just turned 23, and wow. uh, Mason Marchman's 25. So basically Marchman is what he is at this point, unless he can figure out how to skate. So, like, if he could have figured out how to skate, this trade would not happen. But I think the Leafs are in a situation where... 
they need help on their bottom six. And the only way they can do that is by finding outside help. And guys like Mulligan, they can help, even though they're small. So, I mean, this is a, like a quick analysis of the trade because I literally found out on my way here, so I didn't really get too much time to look into it. Um, but, uh, I mean, the Leafs essentially picked up a better player uh, and a younger player straight up. For and, nothing. Uh, for nothing. And, and they, they just upgraded easily. And uh, that's because he obviously requested a trade. And if you were the Florida Panthers and he requested a trade, you kind of lose kind of uh, your leeway with uh, or any, any room you have or control you have over getting a good deal. Exactly. And uh, for the Leafs, uh, the situation where they're in with all the injuries, it's something that they had to do. It's a little unfortunate that they had to wait this long. For like Janssen to go, I was like, oh, we got to make this deal now. But it's, it is what it is. They've got, they got some additional help on their bottom six. I'm hoping that Malkin fits in really well because uh, at this point, we can't look to the Marlies for options. Uh, remember with Bracco, all this, the things about how he's not even showing up to games anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't go to him like, hey, come to our bottom six and uh, f- fix this. He's, he's, it's not, he's not going to help. He's just not in the right frame. You gotta find some some help, and like, this is like pretty much one of the only ways they can do that. Mm-hmm. I wonder what you think uh, if if you think that this is uh, the start of things to come. I mean, first let's get over this trade deadline <laughs> period. <laughs> I mean, because we know a lot. I mean, what's rumored is that I don't know. I don't even. Want, I can't say the name on the podcast because it's technically an explicit name. But uh, yeah, you know, that the insider insider in, air quotes. Yes, because. He's only broken one trade, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say broken. I guess, uh, I mean, he, he, he tweeted out. Some people might, we don't know the credibility because he's only got one thing correct. And for all we know, people are just, are just, claim- people are just tweeting out, uh, like, I guess, predictions. And mm-hmm. then it happens to come true. Or here, they want to sound like insiders and they tweet out something and it happens to come true. And then, hey, they roll with that. You don't know what the scenario is, right? Yeah. For all all we know, that could happen. This guy's trying to roll with it and get his five seconds of fame, you know? Exactly. Um, but he's saying a big trade will go through today. Or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Well, he said or, in the or, next or, 40, or, he said yes, yesterday, he said in the next 48 hours. So we better find out by then today. So he might say, uh, oh, then tomorrow, it's like, oh, the trade's going to be happening in the next 72 hours. Like, <laughs> well, guy... Um, there's only three more days left. They, they better hurry up and do this or else there's going to be no trade. I know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts uh, podcast and even uh, Friedman even uh, mentioned him on the podcast. So I don't know if there's... He, he thinks there's some sort of... Actually, like he actually, he actually thinks that this insider mm-hmm. is uh, somewhat legit or he must have some sort of connection, a legitimate connection. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Listen, the more trades or stuff this person gets right, the more confident people will be in his uh, like like his tweets. Like, hey, when this guy's saying something, this is legit. Mm-hmm. But back to my point, the way he says it, or the way rumors are, are speculating, is like the Leafs are going to make a few more moves. They're going to make some big moves. So until we get over this, if, if that's true, until we get over this trade deadline period, um, I really can't say like what the Leafs should do going forward or, or if this is really a, a sign of good things to come but it is it is it is it's definitely things are definitely looking up um it was a good trade by kyle dubas um it looks like um the leafs are motivated to play better on thursday and uh it it, it can only go up from here it has to like 
uh, these last two games have been real backbreakers, and they allowed what uh, eight straight goals against. Like you can only go up from there, mm. and uh, I'd say there's no way that Mon Tuesday and Sunday's game are indicative of what this team is. Yeah, they're going through a slump. Yeah, they're like not winning as many games as they have. And like, oh, you can look at the last uh, six, seventeen games. They're like, like five hundred, like just under five hundred. Teams go through stretches like that. That's part of life. If the Leafs catch fire at the right time, then they'll be fine. The only reason why everyone's getting freaked out is because they're neck and neck with Florida, and they don't have enough leg room, like enough ground to make up in the wild card race. If Florida starts to catch fire and like take over that third spot, so I get I get the urgency. It's real. All these can do is just look at who's in front of them, play your play your heart out every, each and every night, and just try your best to win games. That's mm -hmm. all you can do at this point. Hundred percent. And if you get the help at the trade deadline, that's amazing. That'll really help the team out. And not just now, but maybe going forward. I mean, you can't rely on it. To let's save look your at season. like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who literally turned things around mid-season. And uh, hey, they didn't pick up. They didn't have to pick up like any pieces just to turn things around. They just something clicked again. And the Leafs need something to click again. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, literally just a game, a moment in a game, maybe a win, is what will turn this team around. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like, uh, oh, go win twelve games in a row, like problem solved. That's just, that'd be un unwise. I mean, thinking. it'll help, but... <laughs> oh, no, of course it would. But, like, how can you expect that to happen? Like, it, it just doesn't. Like, all you can really do, is, like I said, just play who's in front of you as best you can each and every night. And if you win, you win. If you lose, at least you knew you tried your hardest. Of course. Um, I do want to go into uh, a little off of last night. Um, the hashtag, hashtag fire Dubis was trending last night. <sighs> And I want your thoughts on on that, and what do you think the Leafs can do right now to, I guess, play better this week or, or turn things around this week? It's just frustrating that we're having this conversation. I, I can't believe we've come to the point where we have to discuss a hashtag <laughs> about Dubas's tenure. Like, how is it his fault? He it's not his fault. He assembled the roster... He, he wasn't the one that would have looked at this team and said, hey, I have, this team he, is flawed. He Let's just go with it. He assembled a great roster. I can't believe I see people still harping about um, Nylander's contract, which right now, this season, if anything, has proven that that, that contract was well well worth it. Same with Matthews. Same with Marner's, at least of late. Well, maybe not the last couple of games where he's been slowing down a little bit, but he's been well this playing well this season. Look at Morgan Riley. His deal is looking great, even though that's not Dubis' uh, signing. Um... Yeah, there's been a few hits and misses. Like, the, the Kadri trade didn't work out as well as they uh, hoped. But you can understand the thinking behind why they made the move. The same thing with uh, the Garrett Sparks decision. It's It was sound logically, but just didn't work out in Dubas' favor. I mean, it happens. Everyone who is tweeting that hashtag wants Lou back. But, hey, let's look at Lou and the contracts he's given out, especially Patrick Marlowe, that Kyle Dubas had to clean up. He had to give up that first uh, that first round pick to get rid of him and clean up the mess that Lou, that Lou left behind. Especially with Nikita Zaitsev. Mm -hmm. Everyone yep. always forgetting, like, what if you have Cody Cece? Well, if they didn't sign Nikita Zaitsev for $48 million for seven years, we probably wouldn't be in this How position. How many years do they have left? Five years? I think, you have five I think years so, left. yeah. Would you rather have Zaitsev for five years or would you rather have him for one year? That's essentially what the trade was. And it was a smart trade. And it was needed. 
Exactly, just because of the fact that uh, if they kept him, it's like their salary would be screwed. It's not about CC playing this year; it's about him not playing next year and yeah. Zaitsev of not playing. You know, it'd be even better than uh, having Zaitsev CC stay for the rest of the year, trading his uh, his contract while he's out to someone that will actually play, <laughs> will actually use him. <laughs> like, hey, no expectations, Cody. Do your thing over here. <laughs> um, I mean, they could they could have brought him back to Ottawa. What do you, what do you think the Leafs could do moving forward? Right now, like, in the short term. Okay. If they're not going to make any deals, which is unlikely, I feel like there's something going to happen. Just play hard. Literally just show that uh, everyone on the team cares. That would be the first thing for me. Because the top six forwards have been doing their part. I'd say some of the defensemen offensively have been chipping in. Um, The backup is finally showing, hey, I'm here to help this team. Have the, the defensemen just play a little bit better defensively. Have the, the bottom six guys start to bring it more. Um, and just have Anderson going, getting his confidence back. They'll be fine if those things start to click. It's it's, it's not a matter of, uh, oh, we're screwed right now. It feels like it because this is the Leafs and this is Toronto. Every time a bad thing happens to this team, it's like, oh, no, we're screwed. Oh, no, it's going to be another year without a Stanley Cup. <laughs> At least that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I pretty much agree with you. We'll just I think we'll leave it at that in terms of the Leafs talk. Um, uh, I mean, I do want to talk about like uh, the uh, some other headlines in hockey right now. Um, All the trades that happened this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. back we are going to introduce a new section or maybe we've done this before and like we never gave it a name but this is going to be the rapid fire fire section rapid fire rapid fire <laughs> fire i can't english today guys i'm sorry <laughs> you're okay. tired rapid I, fire it's, it's, it's understandable yeah um yeah let's just go through i guess because we talk all about the leafs let's just talk about the other uh headlines in hockey right now super quickly i mean uh the big one is the tyler to trade uh to the canucks and i think the big reason is because uh but it's it's crazy how quickly it happened with uh, the Besser injury, and then they find out they find out about the Besser injury, and then they get Tyler Toffoli. I think I'll give my thoughts quickly. I think at the surface, everyone's like, I mean, I saw every this is a trade that you make when you're like a step away from the Stanley Cup, but the Canucks are a step away from the playoffs. Yeah. Um. So I guess a lot of people were questioning the trade. You know, is this a trade you really have to make right now? You're mm-hmm. not really a cup contender yet. But I guess it kind of makes sense when you take in the fact that Brock Besser is out and the Canucks do want to make the playoffs this year because yeah. that, that means a whole lot to them. And um, they need to fill that void somehow. Yeah, and they also lost Josh Levo for an injury for the, for the mm. next little bit. So this was basically like, okay, we're in a situation where we need more bodies. We don't know if our prospects are going to be enough to fill the void. Here's a guy that uh, would make a lot of sense for us, not just for this year, but potentially for down the line, and we have the cap space potentially make it work. Go for it. I think it makes a lot of sense. If this team was healthier, I would like it even more. i like to trade even more than that if they're able to keep him past uh, this season. 100%. I, I do like the trade when you think about it that way. Um, my, next is uh, the Edmonton Oilers, obviously without Connor McDavid, but they've been showing they've been good, and Leon Dreisaitl especially. He's been playing... 
crazy good without Connor McDavid. I mean, he's been playing great, crazy good all season. Yeah. But I think people had questions. Like they they questioned uh, the Oilers' legitimacy without Connor McDavid. Um, they they questioned if Leon Draisaitl can play, like you know, kind of carry the team on his own. Um, I wouldn't even say carry because as as I know you're gonna say, but I think we can all tell that this year the Edmonton Oilers are legit. Yeah. So I wouldn't even say they're carrying them. They're they're all working really hard. Um, as a team right now, and that's great to see. And uh, Leon Draisaitl, I'd say he's he's playing like probably like the, the leading candidate for the uh, MVP. Art, I believe Art Ross Trophy will be on his shelf by well, he, uh, the season. He end. has I, like a 15 point lead, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think I will say this: I was skeptical at first because in the past we haven't we've seen it we've seen the story before. McDavid and Draisaitl playing really well, and as soon as they go in slump, the team falls out of the playoffs. I'm glad this uh, script is being changed this time. And I will say this, if they can continue this while also adding some, like one more forward for their top six to complement their team and also getting a goalie that will be with them long term, this, this could be a team that can uh, threat for years to come. And I will say this, everyone who was saying, suggesting that McDavid and Dreisel are the next Crosby-Malkin duo, I think they might be onto something. I, I mean, think we're seeing it more and more. If if the Oilers keep if the Oilers start to properly add pieces where pieces are needed, then they'll be a legit legit team. Right now they're legit because these guys are all working hard and they're they're really pulling it together and they're pulling their weight. But there's still a big difference between Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and everyone else. Um yeah. and it needs to be a point where it's not that big of a difference and it's more that you're getting contributions from everywhere, more spread out, and uh, it and it doesn't really look like it's being carried. But the fact that they're pulling together this season shows that this team is legit. And if they w- keep working towards it, they can definitely be a a real contending team for years to come. And we can finally say Connor McDavid has that team. Exactly, and uh, they'll give fans more confidence that he'll want to stay in Edmonton past the end of his contract because there are legit questions that he might want to leave by the end of his deal. And if he does and there's no progress being made, I wouldn't blame him. Mm-hmm. It's the same way I feel about Jack Eichel, and we've talked about this before. We talked about last week. Yeah. yeah, we literally, that's exactly the same thing I'm talking about last week. All these guys want is uh, progress. They want to see that they're, the team that they're on is playing well and heading in the right direction. If, there, if there's no progress being made, then they're going to be counting the days when they, they want to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would say that if this season was was an, another like just like last year, they'd be like, oh, another year like this. Why am I still? Why am I even here? Like that's what I mean by Connor McDavid. I'm 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 happy for them. I'm I'm glad Oilers fans have a team that they can finally be proud of. And hopefully, this is the sign of things to come. I I just don't want this to be a one hit wonder. Me too. Um, super quick before we get into the next topic that I had for the headlines. Uh, but uh, we just found out that Alec Martinez has officially been traded to uh, Vegas right now. Just happened. Um, uh, and just quick thoughts. What do you think of what do you think of that? Two second round picks for a guy his age, and he's not even gonna fed, turn the needle that much. A little bit of a steep price, but remember, for the LA Kings, they needed to get rid of uh, Alex Martinez's uh, contract because their focus right now is on the future. And I wonder who's next to go because we've already seen Tyler Toffoli uh, be out the kick, be out the door to go to go to Vancouver. Now they've they traded another defenseman to uh, a team in their division. There's more moves coming. 
I think uh, this is going to be a really good trade deadline for Rob Blake. He's already done some really good uh, asset returns, and uh, I think he's going to have a really good draft. I, at least if, if he keeps piling up all these picks, and he could potentially turn them into players. Mm-hmm. It's rebuild time for the LA Kings, and uh, we'll see what they do with that. Um, the last uh, topic or last headline I have for this segment is, uh, I guess we've seen a lot of uh, things coming from, uh, obviously, the NHL's disciplinary department, Department of Player Safety. Um, uh, some controversial things, obviously, um, with the Zdeno Chara uh, cross-check. Um, he only received a punishment of, what was it, 50000 or something? Yeah, like some, it's something very small. And then you see Zach Cassian uh, kicking a guy with a skate and getting seven-game suspension. Mm-hmm. I will say this, and I, I want to hear what your thoughts are too, but for me, it's the lack of consistency that really frustrates me, and I think a lot of fans. It's if 100%. Was... It's, I have the exact same view, and that's, that's my thoughts. It's the lack of consistency is the, is the real problem here. I don't know if it's just because of George... Uh, Peros, or maybe it's just the the board, the deep department player safety as a whole, but you can't tell me that Zdeno Chara's slashing on uh, Brandon Gallagher is not can, like he cannot just like okay that's a five thousand dollar fine because what does that tell Chara? Is Chara going to learn his lesson by paying five thousand dollars whatever he had to give up? No, he's going to be like oh boo hoo here goes five thousand dollars I'm going to do it again and you're not going to suspend me. Like, that's what I'm saying. If you're doing that, you're telling a person, basically, you if, if you want to do these kind of things, all you're going to do is just pay a little bit of your money, and you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a good precedent, because then you see these other players. Like, I'm not saying it's from Canadian teams, but it's like, in general, there's a lot of players that are doing far worse things. They're not getting anything for it. And then these not as bad things, but maybe they are a little dangerous in some aspects, they're getting massive suspensions. And, like, Zach Cassian's thing, like, I think the only reason it's bad is because of two things. One, there was it looks like there was intent, and two, he's got a history. Otherwise, I thought it was just going to be a fine, because how, this is the NHL. How could you get a history if you're not getting called for these things? Like, like Zidane Char, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'd get a history. He'd have a history if he'd actually be disciplined appropriately for a lot of his... A lot of his uh, play. He literally destroyed Max Pacioretty's 2011 season. Um, mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and I want to talk about, like, shout out to, uh, Evander Kane, because I don't know what you thought about his, uh, I guess what he did, but I'll give my thoughts quickly. But I I say shout out to Evander Kane because, uh, basically what happened with him was he, uh, elbowed, uh, Neil Pionk, um, and, uh, received a, a three game, uh, suspension and arguably it wasn't as bad as Zidane Ochara's, uh, cross check and uh yeah he got a three game suspension and Sedano Char pretty much walks out um paying what to them it's like ten bucks for them. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And uh and Evander Kane went on Twitter and uh he put out a statement basically criticizing the uh Department of Player Safety and and really, you know, calling for them to be better and telling them that their their system's flawed. And this got a lot of attention, but for me I see this as a, a huge thing. I know Obviously, Evander Kane's had a history. Yeah. And uh, I mean that could play into it. But again, how could you get history if you're not getting the you're not getting disciplined properly? Evander Kane, um, props to him because in a sport where nobody wants to kind of speak up or speak out against these kind of things, someone's got to do it, right? Yeah. And Evander Kane has been vocal in the past, and he's gotten his 
fair share of criticism for it, but hey, he's doing it and he's saying what all the other players are thinking. He's I, saying what all the fans are thinking. He's saying what players are thinking, but nobody wants to speak out. And he went out and spoke out against it. And uh, I hope he doesn't get you know punished for speaking out. Or I don't I even hope care. It sparks a, con- a conversation. I don't even care if he gets fined for it. He had to do it. But I will say this: this will not go anywhere if no other players uh, step up as well, because this could just be a one-off thing. And just like I'm mad at this one suspension because of all the lack of just like uh, clarity for these suspensions. That could be great for one situation, but if more players don't show their displeasure, the NHL's not going to do anything to like correct the, NH- the Department of Player Safety. Like These problems are going to continue for years to come unless we get more players, like Evander Kane, stepping up and speaking out about the uh, inconsistencies. If we don't, like I said, this is just going to keep happening. 100%. It's, it's tough because we know that hockey is a very, you know, um, you know, do as you're told kind of sport, you know mentality and, and you kind of just uh they won't speak out against these things but hey evander kane just got the ball rolling like people need to other players need to jo- jump on this and hopefully get the conversation keep it going keep the conversation going and hopefully something will change getting the ball rolling that's actually a perfect way for me to a- ask you a question um how about that nba all-star game this weekend <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect uh segue right as we finished up uh that segment but uh the jokes yeah. write themselves <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was, that was an amazing, amazing game. And I think, I think the NHL could even look at it and kind of take this, uh, take, take things from that. But the entire, any, the, the entire NBA all-star weekend was really interesting. I mean, uh, don't, don't get me started on Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry. Um, there's been criticism about, about them, uh, at the all-star game, but nobody tries at the all-star game. No. But I mean, players were trying this, this all-star game because it was just fun. And maybe it was because, you know, the aspect of honoring Kobe Bryant um, at the game was kind of in there. Everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to play good for the All Star game that's dedicated to Kobe. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was just fun, and I think it, it was the it was the format. It was uh, it was all about the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter was intense because instead of instead of trying to you know beat beat the time or you know how a regular game is where you're just counting down the time yeah till the buzzer this is like reaching the target score right and i think that adds a more it adds like an aspect of you can catch up like when there's Mm -hmm. time against you you feel like you can't catch up right because time's just going to be against you every second right but when there's no time and you're just trying to get to that 157 you just got to start balling. Mm-hmm. And like you, there's no restrictions. You just keep balling. And uh, that's what the players did. And like shout out to Kyle Lowry um, getting those charges in an all-star game. He's got it. Yeah. He's got to have like the record for most charges drawn in a, in an NBA all-star game. I think, something. I think they're going to, if they're going to have an award for chart, most charges in an all-star game, they're going to call it the Kyle Lowry award. Of course. And uh, he's going to be like the five-time recipient. If as long as he's still in the NBA, <laughs> I will, I, I will say this just about your uh, point thing is exactly how you make the All-Star game interesting. It's not just for the NBA. The NHL, I'm sorry, this year's All-Star game was a train wreck to watch. It was tough. The women's All-Star game portion of it was far more interesting. I seriously enjoyed that, even though it was only 2-1. Like, in the end, like it was like a low-scoring game. It was actually genuinely exciting to it watch. It was, it was. Like, these players, you could clearly tell they did not care. They were just there... Because it was just for 
entertainment. They were just like they're having fun, and it was pretty clear that like, it's like who, who the hell cares about trying? You know how it would make them try? If you said, "Hey guys, you're gonna be competing in the All Star game. The only way you can win is if you're the first of five, and there's no time limit. Exactly. And whoever gets there first wins. I mean, you play you play Chell, right? Yes, of course. You know, uh, you could play like three on three thing, and it's like first up to five or whatever, first up to seven, whatever. Yeah. You know that mode? It's it feels way more intense than playing with, you know, f- twenty minutes on the clock, going down. And I think of the All Star game when you have twenty minutes. They're just scoring goals left and right. Like, it's whatever. We'll score a goal. You'll score a goal. Let's just wait until the the, 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 the time runs out, you know? Um, but when you're at five, you're like, oh, shoot. Like, we can get back in this. They're only up by one, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, let's, let's actually play some defense here. And it's, 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 not, it's more about let's stop them from getting to five rather than let's run up the score. And I feel like with the time, both teams are just like, let's just run up the score. And there's not really motivation to, you know, mm-hmm. defend or anything like that. I want to make a side note about NHL 20. I have to make a comment. I'm not sure. I feel like I may be in the majority of minority here. You correct, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. But isn't the Snoop Dogg gig getting very tiresome in the game? I got t- I got tired of him, like, right away. Again, <laughs> he only says a handful <laughs> of things. I mean, the... the- the commentators get got boring a long time ago because again they say the same things over and over again. Yeah. But man, the Snoop Dogg thing is just a gimmick, and it kind of gets cringy after a while. Like it I, gets cringy. I mean, it was cool the very first time I got. It. I was like, oh wow, they're making it feel like it's a real game where like the occasional get a special guest on the show on the broadcast, and we'll just talk for a little bit. But like after the first time, I was like, okay, what is this? What is this adding? It's just for Flash, and. You know what would have made it more interesting if they just added more if they added more guys? Like why does that have to be Snoop Dogg? I'll get like a whole roster of uh Yeah, like I mean if we're talking like video games, uh 2K does it really well. They get like they'll get interviews with players to to kind of they'll they'll kinda come like in between at timeouts and things and they'll play a clip of like they'll animate like a, a player and put his real life interview audio over it. Mm-hmm. And it's just really cool how they do that. And it, it just feels different every game, but NHL, EA, step your game up there. Exactly, yeah. Like, I don't want to hear Snoop talk about talking about, like, oh, what, is, what do you like about uh, LA hockey? He's like, blah, 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 blah. What's your favorite team? <laughs> oh, I, 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 cheer, I cheer on the Kings, but I'm a California fan. It's like, okay, we don't need to hear it again. You hear it, like, every game. <laughs> it's like, literally, it's like, did they run out of guests? <laughs> um, but back to, back to basketball. Sorry. Though. So, I mean, we talked about how hockey would actually benefit from that. But, yeah, I mean credit credit to the nba for figuring that out and i think they'll stick with this format for the next few years because like reaching a score like a a a target score is way better than just running up the score way better people were actually playing defense players were actually trying to draw fouls as we saw Mm -hmm. it was just so much fun and and it was it was i i forgot who said it but it was one of the commentators and he said uh it's like you're watching a pickup game between the the best the league's best exactly and they're actually trying because you ever see those like uh clips of them running like or like even the drew league and stuff like they're obviously having fun but they're still sort of taking it serious because they want those bragging rights between each other exactly yeah and i think that that's what makes an all-star game interesting because when they're playing for fun but also like they have to reach a certain number in order to win 
then it's like, okay, we actually need to try here. The same thing could apply to uh, the NFL and the MLB. Like, the MLB All-Star Game, who the hell cares? Like, besides the, the home run derby, no one gives a crap. I think, and it's unfortunate real, with all the sports, um, All-Star Weekends, the event that people really watch is, like, the, the skills competition that they have the night before. Like, be it the NHL skills competition, the slam dunk uh, competition. Three-point shooting. Yeah, all that. Um, Or, obviously, the home run derby. Like, that's what people really want to watch. Like, again, when you're just running up the scores in the All-Star games, they're really boring. But the, the NBA figure out a way to actually make them try, mm-hmm. right, to kind of make them more competitive. So, that's that's perfect. Um, but speaking about skills competitions, I want to talk about the slam dunk uh, contest that happened on Saturday because Ooh. that was insane. I that cannot was wait to hear such a good uh, slam dunk competition. But it ended on a pretty rough way. In a rough way, I mean, I, he. I just want to ask, what is your thoughts on the scoring system for for, <laughs> for the slam dunk contest? Everyone's getting tens. It's <laughs> that's I a mean, fifty. Everything's a 50. Everything's a 50. And nothing is ever lower than 40. I mean, do th- are the only numbers they have 8, 9, and 10? Like, I've never seen anyone put, like, a 5. Well, of course. They can't just, like, they disrespect they a player. Say, they can't disrespect a player. But, like, I mean, if you want to be fair, just put, like, more basic dunks, like, between the 5 to 6 range. And then even better, like, to the 7, 10 range. Yeah. Like, you got to spread it out more. I feel like it's only 1's either a 9 or 1's either a 10. A, a, a good dunk is a nine, and a really good dunk is a ten, and that's it. And then what do you what do you put for if you're putting like a really good dunk at a ten? What do you put an amazing dunk at a ten as well? You can't. Well, I think there has to be some more disparity because there's some dunks that are like uh, they're decent dunks, but like they're getting too high of scores. There has but to I, be the scaling has to be better, is what yeah, you're saying. Because then you're just basically saying. Uh, Oh, this dunk, all this guy did was show him from the three for a line and slammed it in with one hand. That's a 50. But this guy, who just shoots it off the backboard, does a spinorama, slams it in with, with one hand, like, that's also the same score as the first yeah. dunk. <laughs> one dunk is clearly more impressive than the other. Of course, that's that's what I'm getting at. And how does dunking over Taco Fall, who's seven five, not get a 50? It does, well, and we saw Dwight Howard's Superman dunk where he just jumps and slams it in while wearing a, a, a Halloween costume. <laughs> uh, he he uh, gets a fifty for that because Kobe. I think I think because Kobe, I think yeah. because of that one Kobe, but like yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. And, and like apparently, uh, apparently I, I forgot who said it, but apparently like the judges wanted to keep it going, but someone messed up. Someone gave it, and they were like, okay. We gave him a 48, right? Mm-hmm. So in this one, we have to give him a 48. But someone must have been like, oh, shoot. I didn't know if I was supposed to give a 9 or a 10. And they gave a 9 and it ended up being lower. When they weren't supposed to give a 9. <laughs> Ugh. I, you know what the one thing that really pisses me off? Aaron Gordon has had two amazing slam dunk contests now. And he's now. been robbed. Both times. I mean, well, maybe the first one was like close. Because like Zach, the Zach Levine was Gordon was, was amazing. That was the best slam dunk contest I've ever seen. At least in the last few years. But this year... I felt like Aaron Gordon had the best, better day of any of the competition had, competitors. I think every all of his dunks except the last one were perfect fifties, were they not? Yeah. And he messes up for trying something new. Take this in because at that point they were like exhausting their ideas, right? Of uh, what they can do in the like as a slam dunk. Like they were 
everyone's jumping over people. Everyone's doing doing like a through the legs uh, dunk. Everyone's uh, they were all the same, right? Mm-hmm. So that deep into the contest, like, what do you do? Well, let me jump over a guy, but make him seven foot five, the tallest guy in this whole building. Mm-hmm. And and you're telling me that he tried to be, do something different. And you're giving him a lower score when he could have just, you know, did the same dunk he did and got another 50. Yeah, like, literally jumped over Chance the Rapper. He gets a 50. Jumps over a bigger guy. Not a 50. That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. You know, what What does he got to do? Does he have to, like, run to the basketball, spinning the ball on his finger, and then as he's in the air, have the ball roll down his arm, behind his back, onto his other arm, and then slam it down with one hand? Like, how? Like first of all, that, that seems like an impossible... That's an impossible dunk to, to pull off. But like it feels like that's he's the kind gotta, of thing. he's got to throw it, make it bounce off like the rafters, and then like land back in his arm in midair and slam it in. Or maybe he just has to like jump super high up and it's like, whoa, where would he go? Oh, there he is! Boom! Like flies right through the basket. Or knowing, knowing, knowing the NBA, like they just like you do like this amazing dunk, get a forty-five, because the NBA. Is... Anyways, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that slam dunk contest was amazing though. So if if it was scored right, it would have been even better. And again, I want to see. I want to see Zion in maybe next year's one. That'll I, be pretty interesting. I think he will be. I th- I think just the way he's been playing this year is too bad that the injuries uh, pretty much ate up more than half his season because I think he would have been great for this All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And last part about his, uh, last part about, I guess, the weekend was, uh, it's funny we're going backwards, going from Sunday to Saturday and out of Friday, but the the rookie showcase on uh, Friday, that was really fun to watch, especially yeah. with John Morant lobbing passes to Zion. Like, Man, they were getting fancy with them. Like, that was interesting to watch. And it's interesting because imagine if they... I, I think there were rumors at the time of the draft that the, the Pelicans, who had acquired the fourth overall pick from the uh, Lakers, that they were looking to see if they can trade up to the second pick mm-hmm. and have numbers one and two. And can you imagine if... Because we saw a little of it on Friday, what John Morant and Zion Williamson could do together. Could you imagine if they actually took if they actually did that trade had the second pick and took zion number one and jaw number two i don't know get rid of Alonzo, whatever but can you imagine these two going to work i mean lonzo and zion is something but um they were they were playing jaw and, and and zion were playing like crazy on friday like they were just doing like like you could see they were having fun but they were they're making it all fancy and doing like um crazy handles things like that yeah crazy lobs and uh, Zion obviously bent the <laughs> bent the rim even. Yep, that would have been crazy. I will say this right now; it's looking like one of the biggest uh, what ifs in modern NBA history. Like at least in the twenty, like twenty twenties. I don't know how. It's too early to say, of course, because like we haven't seen enough uh, evidence to show like, hey, these two should have been together from the start. Like they mm-hmm. should have tra- traded yeah, up. No, like what I think the rumor was. It was rumors. I don't know how deep into like the possibility of trading it was. But yeah, it's definitely a what if. What if that rumor was actually true? Yeah, because then like do the do the rap do the Pelicans even go ahead and trade a date Anthony Davis? They did just try it out with these 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 young guys plus him, and then see where it goes. Oh well, it that's been, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's it's a possible. It would have been without Anthony Davis because the the pick that they were going to trade up right, right, right. was the Lakers one that they were getting. Okay, the, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, looking too far back. <laughs> but but my point stands, like, there's a lot of scenarios, like, that they could have done. And I think that that's a really cool possibility. I really did enjoy that, too. And I think, in general, the young, the NBA, uh, all, the young all-star game 
is a really cool feature. It's obviously not the marquee event, but I think it's for a lot of hardcore fans. It's a great opportunity to watch the next generation of NBA greats showing their stuff. And I think games like that are fun. I'm surprised other sports leagues don't do stuff like that because I would like to see the young guys from the NHL compete for like one game and like for like maybe like a a three on three kind of thing. Like maybe on the day of the actual all-star game, the game, the first game is actually just the young, the young guns just competing against each other for like two 20 minute, 10 minute, 10, 10 minute periods. Like what about baseball? Why don't, why can't we see? Well, actually baseball would be a little bit harder, but like I said, I think that's a really fun idea. I, I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite parts of the all-star game. Other than of course the three point count shot and the dunks. I, I, I think there's potential there. hundred percent. Um, we'll see how it works out in the next few years. Uh, we need to start wrapping things up, but, uh, we'll take a quick break and then I want to end off this episode with a little trivia like we did last, uh, last episode. Ooh. Um, Only we'll keep it short. We'll keep it shorter this time. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, so we'll take a quick break right now. Okay, and uh, and we're back. Um, we're starting to close out the episode, uh, but I just want I, I I I've I've gotten some more NHL, not even NHL. There's some basketball thrown in there too. Okay, okay. I'll just ask a few. I have like this whole Google Doc where I'm just throwing in any random sports uh, trivia I find or funny. It's not even trivia, like just funny facts I find about sports, and I try to frame it like a question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just ask you, and we'll see. Okay. All right. Uh, I like it. Cue that music. Cue that music. Um, so, uh, question number one. First, I want. I want to know. I. I hope I. I got some hard ones here. But question number one, which team had a live animal ma- mascot? Which NHL team had a live animal mascot, which they ended up killing? Hmm. Um, this can't be Detroit, right? Because, like, Detroit's, like, their mascot, quote-unquote, is an octopus. You know, it's, like, not an, even really an, a mascot. I don't know. Detroit? Have you heard about this story at all? I feel like right now it's not coming to me. Which they if killed. You... They killed this live mascot. <sighs> in a way. Okay, I don't know this story then. <laughs> well, tell, I, tell Do you tell have a guess, me. though? I'm thinking Detroit's the only th- guess I'm thinking of. Okay, that's one for me. It's <sighs> not Detroit. Um, All right, here, tell me the story. Um, it was actually the Pittsburgh Penguins. Before, their current <sighs> mascot is Iceberg. But Wait before that, they had a live mascot, an actual penguin, and they taught him how to skate and everything. His name was Penguin Pete. Um, oh my God, wait a minute. I do know this story. <laughs> he, was, he, he was from the Pittsburgh Zoo. And uh, apparently he had special ice skates made for him by CCM. Yeah, yeah. And he, he learned how to skate and everything, right? Right. Um, and, uh, he only made seven appearances, appearances though, during the, uh, 1968 season. And then, uh, he unfortunately died of pneumonia on November 23rd, <laughs> oh, no. 1968. So the very same season, I think he debuted early in the year and then died at the end of the year. 
And it's believed that his death was due because the ice crew at the Civic Arena didn't keep his nesting area cold enough. That's ironic because so they're they in a basically, hockey rink. They basically killed him. That sucks. And uh, but also funny thing, he was then stuffed. It's kind of weird. He was that he was then stuffed and placed in the lobby of the Penguins team offices. But apparently they got too many complaints that it was creepy or weird to have <laughs> oh a, a dead penguin hanging in your in I mean your your team name's the penguins and you have a dead penguin in the office. Like I don't think that's a good look, right? <laughs> I mean, unless you're like a, have a weird fetish for stuffed animals. And it got, yeah, it got removed after that. I I, I rightfully so. I, I don't want to see that. I don't think anyone would. Okay. But that's the sixties for you. Let's see if you know this one. Number two. What player earned his first contract with Vancouver um, after punching another player, a teammate, outside of a bar? Was this like early 2000s? Yeah, I'll give you that. There's not many I can think of. Uh, okay, there's one guy who got a... Well, was he an established player by the time this happened? Yeah, but I feel like I'm giving you two. Oh, this is his first contract. I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, okay. so, so he had he hadn't signed his. He's already signed his entry level deal. This is his entry level deal. Okay. And uh, I don't want to give you too many hints. He's, okay. He is a Vancouver player. I, I mentioned that he got he got his first contract with Vancouver. Okay. Um, there's only one player I can think of. Uh. Okay. I, I'm probably confusing with another player, but the first thing that comes to mind is Donald Brashear. No, <laughs> but actually it's Kevin Bieksa. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so uh, I don't know why I thought that. Basically, Kevin Bieksa uh, got in a punch. I mean, I got in a fight with uh, Fedor Fedorov, and uh, it was at a bar, apparently. I read the article. It was apparently like they were at a bar, and then he spilled a drink on him, and oh, yeah? Fedorov was like... I guess he was obviously being a manly man, hockey player was like, um, fight me, let's go fight outside or whatever. And even BXA was like, oh no, I don't want to fight. And he was like, fight me. And then BXA one punched him, knocked him out clean. And he thought his, his time was with Vancouver would be done after that. Next day, apparently Brian Burke found out, uh, gives him a call and uh, signed him, not next day, but like very soon afterwards, okay. signed him. And apparently Brian Burke said that after he heard that, he wanted to give him his contract right away. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not that far fetched because have you don't you remember that video where he Superman punched a player like and knocked him out cold? I don't know if I've seen that. I'll show you to you after, but it's it's amazing. It's 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 a really it's it's like if you like punches that just knock <laughs> people out, it's kind of satisfying. Let's go with a little uh, easier question here. Who was the first goalie in the NHL to score a goal? Oh, that's a Ron Hextall. No. Actually. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's the first one to I'll, actually I'll put the you, puck in I'll the net. I'll give you another. Like, he shot it mm. in. Who was the first credited with the goal? I should say that. Okay. I'll give he you another. He was on the Islanders. That's all that, that I know. That I know for sure. It was in the seven late 70s. But the name is what's slipping my mind. I think this is a goalie that, uh, like, he became famous because of a rule. Like, he like because he hit players with a stick. I don't know about that. Okay, maybe it's a different one. Glenn Wolseley or something like that. That's that's your answer? I'm not confident in it, but I just all I know is this guy was on the Islanders when it happened. 
Okay, uh, I mean, you're right about the Islanders, but it was Billy Smith. Oh, that Billy was the Smith. name. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so on November 28, 1979, the Islanders it. against the Colorado Rockies. Um, they pull, the Rockies pulled their goalie for the extra attacker um, for a delayed penalty. It wasn't even the end of the game. And uh, the puck basically deflected off Smith's chest protector mm -hmm. into the corner. And then Rockies rookie Rob uh, Ramage picked up the puck and accidentally made a blind pass from the corner boards into the opposing zone. And then it basically trickled into the net. And uh, because he because Smith was the last one to touch the puck, he got credited with the goal. I have a quick question for you. Who is the most recent goalie to score a goal? Who was it actually? There was one this this season. Yes. Who was it again? Because I'm blanking out right now. I'll. I'll... Yeah, okay, I'll give you a hint. Western Conference. I'm blanking out right now. Central Division. Is it Pecorino? Bango. Okay. <laughs> See, like so many. I needed at least the, na the, the 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 team, like because I don't know. I feel I I know what happened, and then it just wasn't coming to me. But yeah, I couldn't I couldn't believe I, I missed out Billy Smith because like I knew it was an Islanders goalie, and I, I read that before. Like, oh, first goalie to actually get credit with a goal was Billy Smith, and like, oh, oh just I, knew he was the, the Islanders. Mm -hmm. I had the uh, Chris Draper one in here, but you already know that you talked about last. Uh, Best dollar ever spent, I must say. Um. Okay. Uh. Where do the Oilers' colors originate from? Hmm. This is interesting. This was in the 70s, I want to say. So, like, this is before they became an NHL team. So you know this. Okay. I, you know this. I don't know the story, but I believe it had something to do with the team owner. Because, and I don't know what the story is, but maybe it's something to do with, like, he had a company that had similar colors. And like he was, it was an oil company, so the team was named the Oilers, and like they had to have colors similar to that. So the jerseys were very popular enough that they've stuck around for as long as they have. And that's my guess. It's just a random guess. Pretty much, not exactly the same, but pretty much. Basically, they had the Oilers' name chosen out already because it goes with Edmonton, you know, the oil industry in Alberta. So they were already the Edmonton Oilers, but then uh, their owner basically thought, "Hey, let's let's uh, strike up a deal with an oil company and just get some free money that way." And so they went to uh, Gulf Oil, whose colors mm -hmm. were basically you know the orange and the blue, and said, "Okay, um, we're not going to put your name on the jersey at all, but we'll use your colors, and that should be everyone should get the reference there." And uh, so. They, 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 they liked the idea and everything was set in place. The deal was supposed to be worth $10 million um, to help set the Oilers up for a year. Um, but then I believe, uh, oh, the board chairman turned it down, saying Imperial Oil was strongly associated with hockey through its sponsorship of Hockey Nine Canada already. And Gulf didn't want to appear, and Gulf Oil didn't want to appear to be copying that oil patch rival. Right. So... Basically, down the drain went that $10 million deal, but they decided to keep the colors and the design and the jerseys and everything. It's the it's the second best investment wasted since uh, before Wayne Gretzky when mm -hmm. they signed like a 10-year guaranteed uh, like lifetime deal in 1998, like the late 70s. Okay, let me ask you some quick quicker questions without like a long backstory. Okay. Um, which team has the longest winning streak in NHL history? 
That's going to be the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. I believe it was like 30 games or something like that. Winning that, streak or point streak? Okay. This is winning okay, streak. Okay, winning streak. Okay, I know they had a like an undefeated streak that was like 30 games in like 1980. That I know, or some 30 plus. But win streak, Pittsburgh, and I'm going to say 18. But Columbus came pretty close a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, 92-93. They won seventeen, um, but I didn't. I actually didn't know. Uh, so Philadelphia had the longest point streak. It was the most longest undefeated streak, Un- unbeaten streak in thirty. It was like thirty games. something games, and you know what that did for them? Losing Game Six of the Stanley Cup Finals, <laughs> of of a controversial goal, no less. So that's just as bad luck as you can possibly imagine. Crazy. Um, let's see. Um, here we go. Last season, the Flyers set the record for the most goalies used in a single season. How many did they did they use? Okay, I'm gonna try and think this one out, out loud. They had Brian Elliott. They had Cam Talbot, Mike McKenna for a little bit. Carter Hart was definitely there. As was there's another goalie. I can't remember his name. Uh, I'm gonna say eight. Yeah, it was eight. I just remember. I do you know? Do you have all the names there? Um, I, I actually forgot to put that in, but I'm gonna look it up right now. Let me see. I remember when they finally got to Carter Hart to play. It was like, oh, we finally figured it out. We so, found our goal. I know they find. I mean, Carter Hart was he was a hyped prospect, so we knew it was, he was gonna be good. And uh, I was scared at first that they were kind of rushing him into it. Mm-hmm. But hey, he was he was more than ready. Um, yeah. So let me just see trying to get the whole list here we go so brian elliott carter hart michael neuverth calvin picard remember him oh yeah leafs mm-hmm. legend alex lyon uh mike mckenna and uh Stellars. remember i remember there was a time where the leafs were interested in getting Stellars. Mm-hmm. it's like oh my god we gotta trade for this guy like he's gonna fix our backup goalie situation man darker oh. times <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure and I, I think that's all I have here. Let me just double check. For oh, all the, for the goalies? How about who had... No, oh, that's all the goalies. I'm, I'm okay. talking about questions. Okay. Um, I have two more. Who had the longest Ironman streak in NHL history? Okay. I remember the number. It's like 900-something. The guy was on the Whalers for a little bit. The name is what's slipping my mind. That's what's bothering me. Because... If you tell me the name, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. I just know he played for the Whalers and uh, the, the Canadians for a bit. And the only reason he, his streak ended was because of a scratch. And, like, if it wasn't for this scratch, like, he would have – the streak would have been even longer. So do you have I a, don't, I don't have know? a guess. I just – I have an idea who this player is. It's, the name is just what I forget. Doug Jarvis. Doug Jarvis. That's 964 that's... games, which lasted from 1975 to 1987. Yeah, it literally could have kept going to like mm-hmm. a thousand if he wasn't scratched. Randomly. And I was looking at the Ironman list, and Phil Kessel and uh, Patrick Marler are up there, and uh, Keith Yandel. I think it's, Keith Yandel's third or something. He, I, right now, he's the uh, current active leader, mm-hmm. like seven hundred something. Games. They're all close. I think Keith Yandel's third, and I think fourth is Marlow, and like fifth is Kessel's. They're mm-hmm. all right there. It's pretty crazy that Andrew Cogliano could have actually. Hit a thousand games and mm-hmm. in a healthy, uh, active Ironman streak. Okay, you ready for your last question? Yes, go for it. Which two NBA teams 
have never moved from their home arenas ever in the history of their franchise. These must be new teams, right? Can't say. Okay. There's only a few that possibly come to mind. I'm going to start by saying Memphis. If we're talking about like since they've been they've been in born, Memphis is one, right? Give me your two and then I'll tell you. Okay. Cuz not many that have not moved arenas very much. Golden State just moved. Toronto just moved. Well, in the 90s. You want to speak into your mic? <laughs> Sorry, this I'm just I'm just <laughs> talking thinking. to myself. I'm this is, this is me thinking. Um I'm trying to think. So the Nets moved. Knicks I'm sure they've been in another arena. Newest team Charlotte Hornets 2.0. I'm going to say Charlotte and Memphis. You know what? Technically it's no, but I want to double check that because I don't know if the 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 fact when I found out about this fact if they took into account the Charlotte Hornets, but because it was a Charlotte Bobcats but then they changed the name to yeah, the Charlotte Hornets. And I don't know how they counted or I don't know if uh I don't even know if they maybe or, they did change uh, arenas ever. Or maybe it was Oklahoma City because remember Oklahoma City like since they moved from Seattle like they haven't changed arenas I don't think. It's interesting because when I go to the for Charlotte I I think Memphis did change arenas, but Charlotte is interesting because technically the Spectrum Center it says here that it's hosted the Charlotte Bobcats slash Hornets since their induction yeah. into the league. But then when you go on their page as well, they also count the Charlotte Horn, the Charlotte, the current Charlotte Hornets, also as the previous Charlotte Hornets as well mm-hmm. for some weird reason. So I don't know how they were doing, it, but I'll give it. I'll give you that one. I don't think it's Memphis though. Mm-hmm. But interesting enough, it's also New York and Boston. The Knicks. The Knicks. Really. I I believe the Knicks have always played at uh, Madison Square Garden. But how long has the team been around? I think they've been around longer than the Madison Square Garden has been in use. So the Knicks were founded in 1946. And it says they've only played at the Garden, I believe. Because the Garden is how old? It's from the 60s. Oh, it is. This is the the Mm. second Madison Square Garden. I mean, you're technically right when you say they've never played in an arena. I think I got these facts off Bleacher Report. That means someone's wrong here. It's uh, most definitely them, not you. Mm-hmm. Because, well, see, think of it this way. Boston has played in the Boston Gardens. Then they moved to TD Garden. or mm. what they, I don't remember what the name was at the time, but it's changed names a few times over the years. So then something has to be wrong. Yeah. There's not that many. Like, literally, if you want to say which team has been in the arena the longest, it's easy. Before uh, the, or, the Warriors left Oracle... It was them and uh, the Knicks. Now it's just the Knicks. Okay, we need to wrap this up soon, but I'll give you one more just to redeem yourself because that one, let's not count that because... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> let's not count that. That's, that's fine. Last one. So what pair of current NBA superstars were born in the same Ohio hospital? Ohio hospital. I think you get, you're stumping me on here. How are we going to redeem myself? <laughs> 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 oh, these are newer players, right? Current current NBA superstars. Are they like have they been in the league very long? Or are they like uh, like there's the only a handful of superstars in the in the NBA. 
There's only a few Ohio players I can think of. One's LeBron. That's the very first thing I can think of. Dwayne Wade's not from Ohio. I don't know if uh, Carmelo Anthony's from Ohio. I'll tell you, they're they're both currently playing, so it's not uh, Dwayne Wade. I know. That's what I said. I said Carmelo Anthony, who's uh, still in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So are you going to just lock in an answer here? I'm just going to take a guess. LeBron and Car Carmelo. So you got half right. It is LeBron, of course, because he's from Ohio. I didn't know. But did Carmelo. you know that Steph Curry was also born in Akron, Ohio? And born right. in the same hospital as LeBron James. I guess greatness comes from that hospital in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> um, yeah. Good to know. So uh, I, I think we'll finish the episode there. We ran pretty long. It's been a great episode, though. It has been a great episode. Awesome I, episode. I want, I want to end it off on uh, a bit of a, a, a knockout. Okay, remember how I, we were talking earlier about uh, Kevin Bieksa's Superman punch? Mm -hmm. Well, I just so happened to stumble upon on YouTube his a video. You found the video. I found the video. So are we getting the live reaction here? We'll get the live reaction here. We'll put the audio over it after, like, in editing. But, like, we, I want you to just get your reaction to this one. To this punch right here, a King's Game from a few years ago. Let me see this. So, so there he is. Peter Rule providing the notes on the organ, leading to another scrap. Here it comes. I talked before the game with Sean O'Donnell. We talked about these two guys. I thought they were getting ball. The extra guess Andrew. Right <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> Dude, look how he check out how he dips. He like punches and he already knows it's a knockout and he just dips right away. Three, two, one, punch. Boom. And he's done. He's, he's out like, of there. <laughs> he doesn't even let he doesn't even let him turn around. Andreoff's like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm done. I, I I think I've seen enough. That's funny. Um patented one Superman punch. It's basically just enough to get you in the NHL. Of course. That's a good way to end it. I mean, nowadays, in the new NHL, maybe not as much, but back then for sure. Listen, if a player can just punch someone and also score and hit and like put up points, that's basically enough to get you in the NHL. Of like, look at Tom Wilson. He's still playing. <laughs> and some still somehow Washington likes him, even though he's like very controversial. <laughs> well, and we'll end things at that. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, you, uh, we'll just do our, you know, the usual The normal up. spiel. The normal spiel. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore, and you can follow Michael at... The least IMO if you're interested in watching a Leaf fan uh, suffer a mental breakdown on uh, the internet. Of uh, course. If, you've, if, you, if you're watching, if you've already followed me from before, you'll know that yesterday was uh, pretty interesting. Might as well plug... Uh... You can you can also read our writing at uh, editorandleaf.com. And also mine. We don't speak about that a lot. Yeah. Editor and Leaf, uh, good site. Mm -hmm. And you can also find my work at uh, Maple Hot Stove. If you notice, there's a bunch of gifts on their page. I'm the one who's behind it. So Of course. Happy to help and provide you content that you don't get to see on, from uh, the TV, I guess. Well, so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you you need to go look at, look at it back, you know? You when something happens, you want to look at it like 10 times over, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like when you're on your phone, it's like, wait, wait a minute. Did I just see Austin Matthews like make a funny face? Of course. I I got you. I got you. I'll try and get it. So uh, with that, uh, thank you for listening and we'll uh, see you guys next time. Or I guess we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs> see you guys next time after the trade deadline. Oh, that'll be an interesting episode. Can't wait for that. All right. Thank Bye. you. See ya. Bye.